Well, I want to say, uh, first of all, good morning. Just a little survey here. How many of you did not, did not overeat and did not gain any weight over Thanksgiving? Would you just hold your hands? One, two, three, eight liars in the room today. Okay, then we need to hear this. Well, uh, I did eat a little too much. I always do. And, uh, but it was a great Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great one. Uh, thanks for staying in town or either coming back uh, to be a part of our service. I want to welcome those who are watching us online. This is one of those special times of the year, and it really is special because we do something that uh, to an outsider may sound strange. There are really two things that a church does that if I were an outsider, if I were not religious, if I didn't, you know, kind of was not an insider, so to speak, I wouldn't understand. One would be what we do quite often here, and that is baptize. When we actually put somebody up in a, in a glass of water up there, and we literally put them under the water, and we bring them back up. And uh, if I went outside, I would wonder, why in the world do you do that? Why would you get somebody soaking wet like that? And that message is for another time and another place. But what we do today would also be very, very strange if we did it without any explanation. Because first of all, what we do today, we call communion, or uh, traditionally we call it taking the Lord's Supper. But obviously, it's not much of a supper. If this was supper, we'd all lose weight, right? Because it's just not a lot there to do, a lot to eat. We take a little piece of bread, and we take some uh, grape juice, and we drink it, and we call that the Lord's Supper. And I would be honest enough to say, I would say that's kind of weird too. Why, why do you do that? And on top of that, you even say to some people, don't do it. So I want to kind of take a moment and, and kind of talk to you and explain several things about what we do and what we do and, and, and the reason that we do it. So I want to go ahead and invite you if you'd like to look on in your Bible or we're going to throw some verses up on the screen. But I want you to turn to a book called 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to begin reading in a moment here in uh, verse 23. And what I'm going to do is read the passage, and we're going to talk about it very briefly, and we're going to take the supper together. Let me just begin by saying this. There are two reasons why we're about to do what we do. One's very simple. Jesus commanded us to do it. It's one reason we baptize, because Jesus commands us to baptize. So everything that we try to do in our church, we want to do according to the Scripture, but if Jesus tells us to do it, we're going to do it. But the second reason why we're doing this today is because Jesus said, the reason why I want you to do this and do it on a somewhat regular basis is because there are some things I don't want you to ever forget. There are some things that I want you to remember. And I'm gonna share with us today three things that we need to always remember every time we take the Lord's Supper. So I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm gonna begin reading in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I want to point out three things that Jesus said we ought to always remember when we take the Lord's Supper. And when you remember this and realize this, 
Those of us who are believers and followers of Christ already know it. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, you didn't grow up in church, you're not very religious, you're just kind of here for the Thanksgiving weekend, you didn't know we were going to be doing this, let me kind of explain to you before we do the supper, take the supper, why we do it and what we're remembering. Okay, number one, we need to remember that he was condemned for us. Jesus was condemned for us. Listen to what we read. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. Let me just stop right here and tell you something that'll surprise you. When we read about the last week of Jesus, we read about his betrayal, we read about his trial, we read about his beating and his scourging, we read about him being crucified, we just automatically go to the third person. And we tend to think of they did it. This is what they did. So, for example, people, you know, will say, well, who crucified Jesus? And so we tend to think, well, I mean, that's kind of easy. You know, some people say, well, the Jews did it. The Jews got blamed for it. And then the Jews say, well, no, it really wasn't us. It was really the Romans that did it. When the truth of the matter is, it's not they did it, it's we did it. We did it. We, we betrayed Jesus. You say, well, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, Judas betrayed Jesus. Well, no, if you go back and read the entire story, they all betrayed Jesus. Now, Judas happened to kind of be the one to identify him and turned him over, but at the end of the day, they all betrayed him. Why does the scripture let us know that even his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, at his moment of greatest need, they all turned their back on him, they all ran away from him, they all deserted him, because they all represent us all. If you'd been there that day, you would have betrayed Jesus. If I'd been there that day, I would have betrayed Jesus. We all betrayed Jesus. We are they. And so every time we come and we take the Lord's Supper, Jesus is being very blunt. He's being very honest. He's being very candid. And here's what he's saying. I don't want you to remember what they did. I want you to remember what we did. I want you to remember what you did. I want you to remember what I did. As I was getting ready to, to come to church this morning and I'd had my quiet time with the Lord and I was getting ready to, getting, you know, ready to come, I, I was kind of going over what I was gonna say this morning in my mind and I just got so moved. I said, Lord, I, I want you to know I'm sorry that I betrayed you. I'm sorry that I turned my back on you. I'm sorry that I spit on you. I'm sorry that I beat you. I'm sorry that I put that crown of thorns on you. I'm sorry that I mocked you. I'm sorry that I made fun of you. I'm sorry that in your hour of greatest need, Lord, I turned my back on you. Lord, I'm sorry I crucified you because he was condemned by us. We are the ones that crucified him. We are the ones that put him on the cross. And I know sometimes we get a little uncomfortable saying that. And we want to say, because I said this when I was nine years old, when I got saved in a movie theater 30 miles from here. I remember in my heart arguing to the Lord when the Lord was convicting me. And I kept saying, but I wasn't there. That happened 2,000 years ago. I wasn't even born. And then I remember what I'd heard as a boy growing up, and you've heard it a million times. He died for my sins. So we're the ones that betrayed Jesus. We're the ones that crucified Jesus. Listen, 
Every time we choose our way instead of God's way, we betray Jesus. Every time we choose to sin instead of doing the right thing, we're the ones that turn our back on Jesus. So the first thing I want to remind us all of, we need to remember, he was condemned by us. Now here's the second thing we need to remember. He was crucified for us. He was condemned by us. He was crucified for us. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, we betrayed him, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now remember, Jesus knew that thousands of years later, and now we're 2,000 years past, Jesus knew that we would be doing what we're doing today. And so he did not say for us to say when we take the Lord's Supper, this was my body which was for them. Or, or, or he did not say that we should say, this cup was the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of them. He said, no, this is for you. This is present tense. It's not past tense. What happened in the past is still real in the present. He died for us. In other words, this is my body. We say that today, which is for you, talking about you and me. This cup is in your covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. That is you and me in remembrance of me. He died for us. And say, so here's what I want you to understand. Yes, it was the Jews that moved Pilate to condemn Jesus. And it was Pilate who at the end of the day willingly condemned Jesus to death. And yes, technically speaking, it was the Roman soldiers that crucified Jesus. By the way, the Jews wanted to crucify Jesus, would have loved to have crucified Jesus, but they did not practice crucifixion. They practiced stoning. As a matter of fact, I was reading in the Bible the other day where the Jews said to, to, to the authorities, You've got to crucify him because we don't do that. That's not the way we put people to death. So they turned him over to the secular authorities. And so it was technically speaking, yes, it was the Roman soldiers that nailed Jesus to the cross. But here's the question I want to ask you. We know technically who nailed him to the cross. But what kept him on the cross? Because if you remember, Jesus said, I could call down 12 legions of angels right now and take out the whole group. You know, when they, the, the, there was one man that said <clears throat> he saved others, but himself he cannot save. He was wrong. No, Jesus could have saved himself, but had he saved himself, he couldn't have saved others. So what was it that kept Jesus on the cross? It wasn't the nails. He could have popped those nails out. He could have broken that cross in half. It was your sin. It was my sin. It was our sin that kept Jesus to the cross. It was really our sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was the nails that put him there. It was our sins that kept him there. So every time we take the Lord's Supper, we're to remember, number one, okay, he was condemned by us. I'm the one that did this. Number two, he was crucified for us. He didn't just die for Judas. He didn't just die for Peter and James and John. He didn't just die for the Romans. He didn't just die for the Jews. He died for us. He died for all of us. There's not one person that's ever been born 
ever that Jesus did not die for. He was condemned by us. He was crucified for us. So in effect, the Lord's Supper is the way that we, number one, look in the past. Number two, it's the way that we kind of bring it up to the present. But then the third thing I want you to remember is this. Yes, he was condemned by us. And yes, he was crucified for us. But Jesus said, I also want you to remember this. He is coming to us. He is coming to us. Now listen to what we read uh, in verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, um, Teresa and I were talking the other day, and maybe you're like, you know, the number one, the greatest fear in America is public speaking. The number one fear in America. That's Teresa's greatest fear. I mean, she, she said to me the other day, you know, I don't know how you do what you do. You know, you just get up and, and, and it just kind of, you know, flows. And I said, well, number one, look, I've been doing it for, you know, four decades. Number two is what God called me to do. Number three, don't, don't, don't get fooled. I still have butterflies. I still get nervous. I still, you know, kind of get my game face on just like anybody else when they're doing, you know, doing their thing, so to speak. And I'm telling you, Teresa, that's just not her. She just, she just, she just, she just, she just oh, would faint. If I brought her up here to get her, say, I mean, she just, that's just not her thing. And, and, and some of you may say the same. You may say, man, I am so glad I don't have to get up in front of a bunch of people and do what you do. I'm so glad that I don't have to get up and preach. Well, the truth of the matter is you may not do it with your words, but we're all preaching today. We're all proclaiming today because Jesus said, when you take this supper, when you do what I'm commanding you to do, you proclaim, you preach, you are declaring the Lord's death until he comes. Now, this is why this is so important, and I hope now you'll understand what I'm about to say. One of the reasons why we do what we do in, in taking the Lord's Supper, this is a dress rehearsal. This is kind of getting ready for the big event, okay? So I, I don't understand what you mean. Well, if you go and read the book of Revelation, one of the things that we all have a, 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 to look forward to if we know the Lord is what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because you remember back, if you go back to the Gospels, when they took the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, I, he didn't say, oh, now guys, you better really, really get, you know, get, get out your cell phones and take some pictures here because we'll never do this again. He didn't say that. He said, I will never do this again until I... Contacts. I don't know what's that. I? That's Siri. I don't know how that happened. Siri shows up at the weirdest. The Siri needs to be saved, by the way. I asked her the other day if she was saved. She said, I don't talk about that stuff. I did. I asked her that. I asked, you ought to ask Siri. By the way, Chase a rabbit here. You really ought to ask Siri some religious questions. It really embarrasses her. But anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, I know where I was going. So Jesus did not say, I will never, ever take the supper again, and neither will you. He said... By the way, I will never again drink the fruit of the vine. I will never again take the bread until I do it in my kingdom. And so this is why I'm going to say what I want to say to you. And it's hard, and, and I don't like to do it, but I have to do it. So every time we take the Lord's Supper, we're not like some churches, okay? I'm just going to be honest. Some churches say, hey, come one, come all. If you walked in the door, you take the supper. I can't say that. 
Because I have to respectfully say in just a moment, we're going to ask you in a moment to get up out of your seats and go to a station, and we're going to ask you to, to take the elements and go back to your seat. Some of you need to stay in your seat. You say, well, why? Because you don't have a part of the supper. Because only God's family is invited to take the supper. This is a family meal. And you say, well, I, you know, God is everyone's father. No, God's not everyone's father. He's everyone's creator. He's not everyone's father. He does not become your father until you accept his son, Jesus Christ, into your life, at which point he adopts you into his family. And so that's why we have to respectfully, and let me just say this. Does that mean we're saying we're better than you? Absolutely not. Does that mean we're saying, well, you're bad and we're good? Absolutely not. All we're simply acknowledging is those people who have, who have realized what I've just said, you know what? He was condemned by me. He was crucified for me. I'm the one that nailed him to the cross. I'm the reason that he died. I am a sinner in need of a savior. I believe he is that savior. And I want to confess and repent and turn away from my sin. And I want to receive that savior into my life. I want to commit my life to him. It's only when you do that, that A, you're forgiven. B, you become a part of his family. C, you get a seat at the table. I'm going to give you a chance in a moment, by the way, to do that. If you've never made that decision, I'm going to get a chance for you to do this. But this is why we only have what we call Christians, followers of Jesus, disciples, whatever you want to call it. This is why only those people can take the supper. So let me just make this real easy. If you don't have a seat at the table in his kingdom, you don't have a seat at the table today. If you don't have a place, a place setting with your name on it in the kingdom, you don't have a place setting with your name on it today. Now, the wonderful news is the moment you give your life to Christ, the moment you trust Jesus, the moment you surrender your life to him, guess what? You get adopted into his family. He becomes your father, and you have a place at the table. So what we're reminded of every time we take the Lord's Supper is very simple. We're reminded of who he was. He was the Savior of the world. He was the sacrifice for our sins. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. We're reminded of what he did. He didn't just die on the cross an ordinary death. He died a death unlike nobody else has ever died because he's the only one who ever died for all of our sins. And then number three, we're reminded of where we are because everybody that's listening to me right now, you are in one of two groups of people, whether you realize it or not. You're in the group that has a seat at his table. You've got a place setting with your name on it, or you're in the group that doesn't. So I want to invite you to write one thing down. If you've if you got a little pen or pencil, I want you to write something down. And, and it would be good. Maybe if you've got a Bible, write it in flyleaf of your Bible, or you know, put, put it in your notepad and your iPad or your, or your iPhone or whatever it might use. But if I could sum up in one sentence, this is what we do in the Lord's Supper. This is why we do it, and this is what we're reminded of. I'd sum it up in this sentence, okay? I'm going to say it real slow. Jesus died for, and I'd put that in bold letters. Jesus died for our sin. Jesus died for our sin. So, we could die to our sin. And I put the little word T-O, put that in bold print, so that we could die to our sin and not die 
in our sin. I'd capitalize the word in, okay? So I want you to remember this. When we come to take the Lord's Supper, remember this, if you go into another church somewhere and they're taking the Lord's Supper, always remember, okay, I know exactly what this is telling us. I know exactly what the Lord's Supper means. The Lord's Supper is telling me Jesus died for our sin so we could die to our sin and not die in our sin. So I'm gonna close with this. Last statement, we're gonna pray. You're gonna die one of two ways. You will either die to your sin or you'll die in your sin. You'll die to your sin or you'll die in your sin. And how that's gonna be determined is what you do with the Jesus who died for your sin. The moment I received Jesus into my life as a nine-year-old boy, I didn't realize at the time, I didn't know it. I didn't understand half of what I know now. I didn't understand a tenth of what I know now. But what I didn't understand then, but I look back now and realize is, the moment that I realized that Jesus died for my sin and I gave my life to Jesus, at that moment, I died to my sin. Sin's dead to me, I'm dead to sin. Doesn't mean I don't sin anymore, but I'm talking about that sinful nature that had me captive. I'm talking about that sinful nature that, that determined who I was. I died to sin, sin died to me. And because I died to sin, I will not die in my sin. So the question is, where are you? Who are you and where are you? If you died right now, you'll die one of two ways. You will die to your sin because he died for your sin or you will die in your sin because you rejected his dying for your sin. So would you bow your heads with me in prayer right now? Just heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to give you a chance and an opportunity to make the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. It's real simple. Listen, the reason why you do wrong is because you are wrong. The reason why you mess up is because you're messed up. We were all born messed up. We were all born handicapped. We were all born sinful. You don't have to teach a kid to lie, cheat, or steal. They'll do that on their own. You got to teach them not to. Why? We were born that way. So Jesus came and did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He died for our sins. He died so that we could be forgiven of our sins. He died so that we could have power over our sins. He died for our sins so we could die to our sins and not have to die in our sin. And if you will simply tell God what I just said, God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And I believe, Jesus, you are that Savior. And today, I'm asking you to save me. Today, I'm asking you to forgive me. Today, I'm accepting your death for my sin. And I now die to my sin. And I'm so thankful I'll never die in my sin. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. Thank you for hearing my prayer today. Did you just pray that with me? Yeah, you know, I did. I I did. I, I, I didn't just say it. I prayed it. Then I'm going to ask you to do this very, just, just real quickly for me, okay? In the worship guide that you were given as you walked into the door today, there's a card that says, um, 
it says connection point. You cannot miss that card. It says connection point. I'm going to ask you to tear that card off right now. Do it right now where you're seated. There will be a pen or a pencil in front of you. I want you to take that pen or pencil. Here's what I want you to do. Sign your name. Give us some contact information. It can be a phone number. It can be an email address or your personal address. Either one. Give us some contact information. There on the bottom of that card, there's a little box that says, Today I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the very first time. I want you to check off that box right now. Okay, just check that box off. I prayed and accepted Jesus today. I made that commitment to Christ. Check off that box right now. Now, if you checked off the first one, you want to go ahead and check off the second one. I commit to being biblically baptized. You say, well, wait a minute. Why am I doing that? Why would I do that? Because the way you show everyone that you've died to your sin and the way you show everyone you've accepted Jesus who died for your sin is by being baptized. That's the way you do it publicly. So I'm going to ask you to check off the second box. You may be here today and you may say, you know, I have accepted Jesus, but I've never been biblically baptized. I'm going to encourage you to check off that second box because you're not really a full follower of Jesus till you follow Jesus in baptism. By the way, we're having a special Christmas Eve baptism we do every year. I'll be baptizing Christmas Eve. And if you've been kind of thinking about being baptized and you say, man, could I be baptized Christmas Eve? Absolutely. You just sign on that card. I want to be baptized Christmas Eve. And whichever service you come to, we'll be glad to put you at that service. We'll be more than happy to baptize you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you that you have reminded us today of what we needed to be reminded of. And Lord, not only do you want us to be reminded of it, you want us to share this message with others. Lord, what a time of the year like Christmas to tell others about their need for Jesus. What a time, Lord, to lovingly tell others, hey, your sin condemned him. Your sin crucified him. But if you will let him, he will come to you and he'll save you. So thank you for hearing our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what we're about to do is very simple. Bruce has already told you kind of where the tables are. We're just going to ask you to go section by section. You know, we've done this before, as those of you who've been here before. We're going to ask you to do it just section by section. Here's what I want you to do. You can go by yourself. If you're by yourself, you can go with your wife, your family, your, you know, whatever you want to do. And just simply go and take the, take the element. Don't take it there. Go back to your seat. We're going to take the elements together, okay? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But you may want to just kind of take a second or two and just thank the Lord for what he's done in your life. Thank the Lord for saving you. You might want to just take a moment and say, hey, Lord, if there's anything in my heart or my life that, 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 that would really be between you and me, then I want you to forgive me because here's, here's what I love about the Lord's Supper. There's two kinds of people that shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. One I've already told you, you don't know the Lord, then you shouldn't take the supper because it's not for you. You say, well, I do know the Lord. Are you totally right with the Lord? Is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Let me give you an example. If you've got even one tablespoon of bitterness in your life, get rid of it before you take the supper. Any anger, any, any unresolved relationship. I mean, you need, to, you need to go, and this is one thing that's so great about the supper. It forces us to get clean. It forces us to be right. So that will be my prayer for you as we take the supper here in just a moment together. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we now go and we're about to receive the supper together, Lord, use it to do a new work in my heart and the hearts of everyone that's here. Lord, I prayed this morning driving to church. I pray 
that there's such a hunger and such a thirst developed in the part, hearts of people who did not know you today that would say, I want to be a part of this. I don't want to ever be left out of this again. I want to have a seat at that table. Lord, I pray today that that reservation was made. So bless us in the time now and use it to bring honor and glory to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Okay, you take the, get the elements, then we'll take the supper together. say one more word uh, to those of you that uh, for whatever the reason uh, did not uh, get up and this is so important you hear this I say this all the time if there's anything at all anything at all anything that's good about this guy right here is that Jesus lives in me if you take Jesus out of me you can't even imagine how corrupt I am you can't even imagine how evil I am. You can't even imagine the thoughts I would have, the words I would say, the things I would do. The only thing, the only thing good about me is that Jesus lives in me. That's the only thing good about other people in this room, and that's why there's such a misconception. It's not that we go to church and you don't. It's not that we're religious and you're not. It's not that we read, your, we read our Bible and you may not even own a Bible. It has nothing to do with that. It's just that we realize that we're all in the same boat. We were all born underwater. We were all born in sin. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And the only thing that separates us is we just finally saw the light and we just finally realized that we needed a Savior and we realized Jesus was that Savior and we trusted Jesus as that Savior. And that's all we're saying today as we take this supper together. So Jesus said, when he had given things, he broke it. He said, this is my body which is for you. You do this in remembrance of me. And Lord Jesus, our hearts and our minds and our thoughts go back 2,000 years to that upper room 
And we thank you that you willingly, lovingly, sacrificially, voluntarily went to the cross to die for us. We bless you for it in your precious name. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. He's After supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant. A covenant is not a contract bigger than that. It's new. What was new about it? What was new was no more animal sacrifices, no more lambs being on the altar. I am the permanent sacrifice. And here's the new covenant. All you've got to do to be right with God the Father is to be right with God the Son. And all you got to do is do that by faith. When you place your faith in me and you trust in me, I'll make a covenant with you. You'll be a brand new person. All of your sins will be forgiven and you'll be a part of the family of God. So he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. You do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, it is your blood that cleanses us from all sins. And I thank you that you've cleansed me. I thank you that you've cleansed so many in this room. And Lord, my prayer still would be not one person would walk out that door into that parking lot without having their sins forgiven, without having Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. And I trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Riley's coming to say one last word before he does. Let me just say, if you made a decision for Christ today and you fill that card out, when the service is over, as you go out into the lobby, there's a table there called Connection Point. If you would just be so kind as to take that card to that table, you don't have to say a word to anybody. Just hand them the card. That's it. They'll know exactly what to do. They'll read the card. They'll know exactly what materials you need. They'll know what follow-up needs to take place. They'll give you that material. You'll be on your way out the door, and we'll contact you later on. Hope you had a blessed Thanksgiving, and thanks for coming today. All right. Thank you, Pastor, for that great word from 1 Corinthians. Thank you. And at church, we celebrate you know, Thanksgiving a few days ago. I was thinking about just how thankful I am for a church and for a pastor that takes the word of God so seriously, and how thankful I am for a church that doesn't just worry about us in the room, but also cares for our community. We have a great opportunity to extend that even further on December 8th for our CP Serves Day. If you go to cpserves.org, you can find more information and teams to sign up. Some of the teams are filling up fast, so I encourage you to go on there and sign up. And also a few more things. Next Sunday, our pastor will be sharing a message I'm so excited for. Next Sunday, he's going to be preaching on what is the gospel. As we think about this holiday season and Christmas and the birth of our Savior, what a better Sunday than to start inviting your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers to church, that one you're praying for, to come in contact with Jesus, to um, be inspired to live the cross-shaped life and fall in love with our Savior. So we have that coming up. And then following Sunday, December 9th, we start our, unwrap, our Christmas Unwrapped series, where Dr. Maris has spent three weeks ex um, expositing Christmas and what Christmas is all about. Hope you guys have a great week. Crosspoint Church, you are sent.